Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Roger LaMaitre, CEO at UEX Corp. Uh, they are after uh, uh, uranium in the Athabasca Basin. Um, we talked to them about their recent acquisition, JCU, um, private company. Not too many people know much about it. They should. Really exciting merger. Uh, and I think this is a big, bold move uh, from Roger. If you want our thoughts on that conversation, topics discussed, plans for the future, and how they hope to achieve them, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentary from experts from around the world, including our weekly uranium show in its 53rd, 54th week actually now. We've got training courses on there. Uh, we've also done summaries of all the interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But more importantly, why don't you go and join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from that judgment, trolling and abuse you see elsewhere. It's wonderful. I think you'll like it. So go and join them. Cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Roger, how are you, sir? Doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? All good here. All good. Um, I'm loving the uh, what we, piece of hardware behind you. Where's that from? Uh, that's, that's my wife's uh, decorating. She's way more skilled than I am. I'm not sure where she got it from, but it looks it works. Looks it works. good. It looks like she sort of had you scaling up a town hall and ripping it up from the <laughs> from the facade. That's what it feels like. It looks quite cool. I'm getting old, and I have to be able to see the clock. So the bigger it is, the easier it is for me. <laughs> so true. I know how you feel. Deep. Nothing but sympathy from this side of the pond on that one. Hey. Um, You've been a busy boy recently, and we're going to hear all about it in a second. But let's do our one-minute overview of the company for people new to the story, and I'll pick it up uh, with the JCU story. Right on. Well, UX, we've always been talking about our large portfolio of opportunities and growing uh, our pounds of resources through our mid-stage resource discovery. But, you know, our story's changed uh, over the last week. We're now catapulting ourselves towards being a mid-sized development company with short-term production and a great portfolio that comes from the UX end of things that will sustain us into a mid-sized uranium company uh, for a very long period of time. Thank you. You better explain what you've done. So we've just signed a definitive agreement with a company called JCU or OURD, excuse me, to buy their wholly owned subsidiary JCU. JCU is a lead or is, is the Canadian exploration arm of a company called OURD or Overseas Uranium Resource Development Company. OURD has been in, active in the mining space for 40 years uh, across the world. Uh, more, probably most notable, two, two things that, most, uh, that they're most famous for, a part ownership in the Komanak operation that just shut down in Niger and a 7.5% ownership in the McLean Lake milling operation in the Athabasca Basin. Uh, JCU inherited assets from a very legendary Japanese explorer and developer, uh, PNC. PNC was successful on three continents, finding things in the uranium space in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, and when, when PNC exited the exploration business, when it became part of the Japanese uh, government agency, which is now the Japan Atomic Energy Agency, they sold these assets to JCU. So their JCU and, and UX are about, they're almost like sister companies because they've been around about the same amount of period of time, 20 years. And uh, we're in the space before it became really active in the last cycle. Uh, they have some really amazingly good assets uh, with a 10% ownership in Wheeler River. That's now operated by Denison. It had a 30.1% ownership in Millennium Chemicals Next Development Project. Uh, a 33.2% ownership in Kigavik up in the Nunavut Territory, which will be a, a potentially a new camp. 
and it just it just their assets fit with ours and just creates a, you know i think two half companies turning into a one really solid company okay Th- thanks pretty comprehensive background there um what's the what are the terms of the deal what does it look like you're talking about 100 ownership for you guys so we're owning the the assets through the only company outright uh jcu we're paying uh, up to 12 and a half million dollars uh, cash for these we're going to assume their liabilities uh, and we'll own 100 of it uh, subject to us completing the financing to get what we need to close the deal and going through their corporate governance process it's been through their board approval it formally needs their shareholder approval and that schedule will be in yeah, that will happen in june just getting 29 of the largest uh ceos chair of the boards and deputy chairs of, 12, of japan's 29 largest ish companies pretty hard to do in short notice so yeah but 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 there's a process that's been agreed so let me just try and understand what you just said so 12 half a million in cash plus liability so what's the total cost of this thing uh, right now, it's about twelve and a half million dollars. What are the liabilities that you're you're exposing yourself to? They they have a liability that's technically on their books. It's a it's a royalty, and so for all of the when JC was formed and they bought the assets from PNC, uh, the purchase price was normally nineteen million dollars, and it create and it's charged three percent sort of interest. But the only payments that ever be made towards that principal and interest are if there's cash flow, free cash flow from operations. So it's not in that liability will expire and be forgiven on March 31st, 2030. So it's more of a royalty stream that has a sunset clause based on time than of the asset itself. And so that the, not the book value of that we're anticipating will be when you fair market value that uh, royalty stream, it'll be a couple of million dollars maybe on our books at the end of the day. So uh, we're paying 12 and a half million JCU is going to have cash in its pockets when it comes to us. So we're going to see uh, that 12 and a half million gets deducted some cash as well. So 12 and a half million is about right. Okay. So why, why are they selling? I get Commonex like closed down um, not, or, you know, so not, not much going on there. Um, why, what else are they offloading and how on earth did you end up with this asset? What's your connection? I'll start with the second question first, because that's a lot easier for me to understand. Uh, our team and myself, uh, even in our previous lives, when we worked for a, a major uranium mining company, managed a lot of these assets from that company's point of view with JCU as a partner. Uh, and and our, our team, for example, our exploration manager and, and the senior geologist were on the delineation team at Millennium. We, we've got a long personal history with the principals at OURD. But also since we've joined, or since we've been in UX, uh, UX has had a joint venture with Arano and uh, and JCU since 2008 at Beatty River, which is just uh, south of Cigar of Shea Creek. But more more to do with probably building that trusting relationship with them is with Christie Lake deal that we did in 2015, 2016. So I think we've got a mutual bit of trust between us. Uh, we've always tried to do what we say we can, uh, and what we what we promise to do. And I think that there's some value that when they went to look at the at selling these assets, they came to us. I, I'm sure they went to others. Uh, we were just able to to negotiate a deal back in in January that uh, that finally came to its fruition uh, here uh, just a couple last week. But why are they selling at all? Uranium's going to be a bumper market. It's money to be made, and then there are hills. So why are they selling? I honestly don't know the answer for that. I mean, I think if you look at OURD and you and you see that they've, you know, they're they're 
they have a mine that's just shut down. They have a minority stake in a, in a mill in the Athabasca Basin. I think you look, you know, you, I'm speculating completely. If you look at their shareholders and go, okay, they're the, the Mitsubishi Sumitomo Tepcos of the world. This is a very small business and maybe it's just not, it's just not the right, it's the right time for them to get out. So why are you positioning it as, you know, two small companies coming together, make a medium-sized company when there's not much happening in the marketplace? How, how can you make that claim? I think when you, when you look at our portfolio of assets, we now span, uh, we have to go picking up development projects that are ready. Probably the next one, like Weeder River, uh, Millennium will be Cameco's next development project after that when they need to replace cigar like pounds. And then a long-term vision with Kigavik, our UEX's assets that we bring to the table are projects that are ready to move towards development. And then that mid-stage portfolio. And I think what this does, it gives a short to medium to long-term visibility production with assets ready to replace those and lower risk exploration mid-stage projects behind it. And it creates you know, what looks more to me like a mid-stage copper company or a mid-stage gold producer than it does a typical Athabasca exporter or developer, which tends to be a grassroots company or a single project development company. So, do you, we, we, so, so I'm, I'm sort of intrigued because, you know, if you look at some of the, the, the issues that you've had in the past, people are going, so many assets, so much optionality, and you need money to go and develop those out, however you prioritize them. And you do this deal and you go, oh, good, more assets. That's just what I need. So how do you go to market? One, you've got to go to market and raise minimum 12 and a half million bucks, it probably a lot more, and presumably money to go and um, be able to develop the near-term producing assets that you were talking about. So how much money do you think you're going to need to get to market and raise? And what's that going to cost you? Yeah, no fair. Uh, the long-term, the, the only thing that actually costs us money that we have absolutely no discretion on over the next couple of years is Wheeler River. And not that we would care to, to even, we want to participate in Wheeler River. So we're excited to do so. The Phoenix ISR project that they're going through now, uh, the, fees, the pre-feasibility study had a CapEx cost of $322.5 million. Our share is 10%. And that's sort of four or five years, uh, that's going to be spread over four or five year windows they ramp up. So, you know, yes, we're going to have to go to the market, but we're not asking for tens of hundreds of millions of dollars here to get Weeder going. Once Weeder is going, we're going to be in a cash flowing situation and we'll deliver our opportunity to develop, develop those other projects, which we think come after Weeder River. And yes, what do they look like? I don't know just yet, but that's an that's a issue we'll have four or five years down the road to fund. Short term, uh, funded, other than funding Weeder River, everything else in our portfolio is completely discretionary. We can decide whether to do something or not. And we don't have to. We have on our core assets over 21, or 21 years worth of, of assessment credits to hold those in good standing. The properties we're picking up from JCU at the grassroots level are being run by Cameco, Arano, and Denison. And Cameco and Arano have cut back on expiration over the next couple of years. So I don't see a huge ramp up next year. We complete the deal. JCU comes with enough money to fund our Wheeler River expenditures through to midway to near the end of the first quarter of next year. So we're not, we're, we're going to have to finance a transaction. I think when we look at the findings and transaction, the 12 and a half is a must. Uh, we're going to probably add a couple of dollars here or there, 15, go to, to max of 15, 20 total, including the purchase price to fund all of our potential obligations through the end of next year, 2022. And then we'll evaluate the, we have options to, to do things with the assets that we can monetize over time. As if the market continues to improve in the uranium space, we have a ton of grassroots projects that would be top notch for anybody else uh, entering the space. 
to come and partner with us. And we've always, like we've had with our existing grassroots projects, it's all about the right timing and getting companies that can come out and answer some questions for us uh, in a short term, not to, not taking an option on an option. Okay, well, I guess that's what I was getting at with the what's it going to cost you bit because you know how much you have to spend. Great answer. Distraction because you already had a plan before you started making your making the decision to buy JCU in when it's presumably end of last year at some point. You had a plan. This changes things dramatically in the order of play, dramatically in allocation of capital, dramatically. It's effectively a new company. You're saying you're saying to me it's I it's a it's nice mid-sized company here, guys. Pay attention. Market's gone. Hmm. Yeah. Why? I agree. Why are Why aren't they not as excited as you are? Uh, I think two. There are three key reasons. One, of course, we're going to have to raise money. So I think once once we get that tied down, that will help. Uh, we get a lot of who the heck is JCU because we never heard of them. Uh, and, and two of the key projects in the portfolio have never had market exposure before. So Millennium's not really had market exposure and KVIC's not had market exposure. Everyone understands Weeder. They go, ah, oh, great, you're getting a piece of Weeder. And some people say, yeah, it's a cheap way for someone to get into Weeder. But we need to get a little bit of the word out about what are the other key assets that are coming to the table that create value for shareholders. And that's going to take a little bit of time. We, we'd love it to have been yesterday. But we realize it's going to be a few months down the road before people start to really understand where it goes. Right. So, and the reason I don't understand is JC was not public, was it? It was a private company. No, it's all private, and their main shareholder is also all private. So, no, people have heard about Kegavik. People have heard, you know, what does it mean? Well, we we will see what the value market value of these pounds are when they become available through JC or through through UX with this transaction, uh, and we'll we'll let them decide what the value is. Same thing with Millennium. You're going, well, man, that's not every day you get to walk into a 30.1% interest in Cameco's next development project, but it's not been in the public domain. So we have to educate people what Millennium is, what it what it means to the uranium space, particularly in the Athabasca. And then, of course, that will have a benefit for, for UX. Well, forget educating them. They don't want to work it out. They want you to tell them. So, you know, have you got a view of what it's actually worth? You pay, tw- well, you haven't closed it yet. You've got to be careful. 12 and a half million. Um, but you must have a number in mind that it could be worth for you in the future if you are able to communicate it. Well, so we, we're going to end up owning 30.5, 31.5 million pounds of the current resource. And so no matter how, what metric you want to put on this value, whether it's a dollar or $5, it's worth a lot more than what we're going to pay for it. And so uh, if you want to put an Athabasca average on there, which is $4.68 a pound, multiply it out, see what you get. If you think, oh, no, you're the minority partner, you're going to put a discount on that, well, put a 50% discount on that. So be it. It's still worth a lot more in the long run. And it's just about getting people to understand that over time. Okay. Interesting. I guess people can go and do some quite simple math there, do some peer analysis. Tell me about Wheeler. It's it's on the public domain. So it hasn't been in the public domain because it's been in the hands of major private companies. I, I understood. I'm, I'm just in terms of valuing the pounds on the ground, as it were. People can go and do some uh, some peer analysis and averages there. I look at Millennium and I sit there and say, okay, what's happening in the Athabasca Basin? What are the development projects that are out there? Right. The, these assets give us six of the next ten. Our ownership stake in six of the next ten uranium projects in Canada. Three, uh, three of the next six, what I call Tier One projects, which are the ones likely to go in the next cycle. So we're going to have an ownership stake in half of those. So you, you can you can out there and say, okay, there's an arrow, there's a leader. We're going to be part of that. There's going to be a triple R. Uh, and then you got uh, Millennium. Millennium is going to be there to replace chemical pounds. So we have a lot of confidence that's going to move forward. That's, um, in the next cycle. 
Right. And has it went in the next cycle? When's the next cycle? Let me know. You tell me. <laughs> you tell me. Uh, we, we all believe it's imminent, but it's all about the, res- the resilience of utilities to decide when they want to make start securing contracts. Has, uh, remind me, has Wheeler got a permit yet? Uh, Wheeler's in the permitting process. They've filed a, a, a project description with the regulator, and the plan is in the first quarter of next year to, find, final, to finalize the final EIS for submission to go through the public hearing process. What's that? So that's, how, long that, how long does that take? That takes usually about, a, the, the process usually takes a couple of years to go through. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. When, when will you close this uh, transaction then? Before the end of June. Before the end of June. Okay. So not too long. How long did it take from a conversation, first conversation through to where you are today? I mean, how, how long does it take to close these sorts of things? Very first conversation, hmm. 15 years. Oh, stop it. If you talk about the most recent <laughs> conversation, uh, we started in second week in January or December, excuse me. Got it. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting. Um, should we talk cobalt a little bit? It's our favorite topic, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I love cobalt. I mean, my goodness, uh, our t- I give all the credit to our team in the world of finding a second cobalt deposit uh, uh, on the we- on the West Bear project, proving up that what we're doing has got le- got some legs to it. And we can actually uh, find more of these. Uh, we've always been very keen on monetizing value for our shareholders, and we don't believe it sits in UX long term. But it's about getting the right balance, and with this transaction, it probably accelerates our need to move this forward quicker, uh, and maybe uh, not try to be to squeeze every dollar out of we, that we can. But we'll try. That's the plan. Uh, anyone who's in the space knows that we're looking for opportunities, and so we're waiting for people. And we've been reaching out to people actively, and we're waiting for people to come back to us with ideas. But we've been through a bunch of them uh, over the last several years, and they just haven't been the right ones. Right, you want to pick the the right partner to make sure the yeah. it is yeah. value is created. I can understand that it's a very small space, very very complicated, opaque space, slightly weirder than uh, uranium. If you if you need to yes. know, we've been investigating, yes. right? So uh, it's you know there are not too many players out there. I think. Have you spoken? There's very to- few explorers out there right now. Very right. very few. They've they've all uh, there was a whole lot of them when the, when the craze happened in nearly. 2017, 2018, uh, and they've all sort of disappeared uh, because they didn't have they didn't necessarily have the, the right assets or, or quality assets. There's some really good names in the space, but they're not exploration development exploration stories. I think that's kind of what we're where we have our cobalt assets today. They're kind of exploration stories. Oh, oh! Every muppet was jumping on the cobalt bandwagon back then. You know the right management team, let alone us. That. Um, said said the embittered investor. Um, <laughs> so, how, when will you give guidance to the market as to um, timing on fundraise? I guess it's fairly imminent, uh, but more importantly, how you get, how you thinking about allocating funds across the now enlarged portfolio. Well, we're certainly going to have to close something here before the end of June to be able to, to meet the financing. So that you're probably talking in the next couple of weeks before we make that formal announcement of what we're doing. Our view is while there still seems to be a lot of demand for uranium equities in this space, to continue to follow our process we have for the last several years, and that is what do we need, not what we could get. And so the plan will be let's finance what we need to make the transaction and finance through the end of 2020. To our, we have our GNA already covered with our existing treasury, so we don't need to raise money for GNA purposes. 
But, you know, what do we need for Wheeler River? And do we want to do a little bit of work on those mid-stage opportunities uh, in the same conservative approach that we've done so far? So I don't see us, you know, I see us the, the run raising here in the 15 to $20 million range, to be realistic. Uh, and we'll see where things are at the end of 2022 as to what we want to do. We're pretty comfortable that will cover all of us uh, well into and then and then some beyond 2022. Do you, want, do you want more questions that we've talked about before asked of you? Should we, should we do that? Let's do it. Sure. Okay. Go so, ahead. So why is the, why is the book value at 0.04 Canadian dollars? Uh, you Back in 2016, UX made an accounting change based upon the historical expenditures we put on our projects. Uh, most companies, and I'd say especially the newer companies out there in the space, capitalize their expenditures. So it, it makes a really large book value. We expense ours instead. Uh, but if you were to actually say how much has been expended, we'd be pretty comparable to you know, just an accounting difference. Right. Versus versus expensing. Okay. And when do you get a sense of what the 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 total overheads will be f- for maintaining all of these assets? You know, will you be looking to offload some of the you know the, the, the less priority assets as, as a means of you know generating cash not just the the cobalt component but other of the smaller uranium um, projects uh, i think that's certainly an option in the in the portfolio it's for us we think it's the wrong time to do that right now uh we think that if, if we believe as we do that the market's going to improve then there's a there's the need to hold for a while and see what the options are uh, particularly on, the, on those low-end assets, we want to see a lot more of them working for us, but we want to find partners who can come around and spend a couple of seasons of drilling or whatever work they need to do some first-pass evaluation in hand before we start making partnerships. There's no sense tying up properties for, for any old reason. Uh, and it gives us a lot of options going forward as well. It's not just partners. It's, it's you know, do you do, you do a, a grassroots spin-out? So we don't know. It's, I think we're going to let the market dictate those decisions for us to a certain degree. And I don't mean dictate this because that's probably the wrong wording. It's more of we'll, we'll, we'll take advantage of the right opportunity at the right time. But we're keeping all, all those balls, uh, all those options open for us right now. It's just too early to make that call right now. Right. So given you're about to go into fundraising mode, does that mean uh, all work at Michael Lake stops, all unnecessary spend stops? Uh, we still are, we haven't made a final decision. We have about $2 million program planned for Christie Lake this summer uh, to continue to work at Aurora North and along the B trend uh, to try to grow resources there still. Uh, we've thought about it. We're, we're still have, our board still hasn't made a final decision whether we go ahead with that or not. Uh, so I don't really have the answer for you. I think if, we, if you're inclined, we're inclined to spend that money. It's flow through money, so we're inclined to spend it. Uh, we have till the end of next year to spend it if we want to. But yes, on other things right now at Michael Lake, we're probably going to you know, say hold, even though we have a brand new discovery there that needs a lot of work, we're probably going to be holding tight, especially since it's not, that's now a cobalt asset, not a uranium asset. And I think, you know, I think we really understand shareholder frustration with not finding that opportunity at the right time, but also it sends a rude message that, you know, we just bought a huge, we just performed a, a pretty good sized uranium company and we're putting our, 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 small, our financial resources into cobalt, probably not the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that's right. Um, well, look, thanks for the update. This is great. Actually, one last question. Is this a new company? I said it earlier. Is this a new yeah, company? Yeah, we believe so. Right. We believe so. We, we think it's a brand new company. Because uh, why? What makes it a new it. company, Roger? What makes it a new company? Is that because you've bolted on something, you know, a, a merger of equals, not merger, an acquisition of equals, as it were? 
Is it because the thinking's going to change? The approach to the market's going to change because of the optionality that you've just bought or hope to buy? Uh, yes, yes. And just because uh, we have a pipeline of the, that, that goes from one end to the other that you'd want to have a long-term sustainable company. So yes, we're going to operate it like a long-term sustainable uranium company. Beautiful. Roger, thanks very much for uh, picking up the uh, phone. Stay in touch. Let us know when you get this thing over the line in, in June. We'd love to sort of see what your plans are, how you hope to inform and educate the market. Uh, interesting times for you guys. Well done. Well, thanks, Matt. Appreciate taking uh, the time talking to us again. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.